Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. Welcome back to another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. This is episode 390. We are closing in quickly on 400 episodes. Very, very excited about that. We got something special for you, so tune in in a couple weeks when we get the 400th episode, but we are not quite there yet. Today, I have a special guest, first time on the show. I've been a fan of his work for a long time. He is an extended part of the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast family, who you guys know very well. Uh, Chris, Eric, and Alex have been on this show, and Josh. We'll give Josh a shout-out as well. The four of those guys have been on the TCK pod for the last couple of years. Uh, Chris is a weekly stand-in during the season to break down the TCK Listener League. I'm also in their Listener League as well for the Dynasty side of things. We're a big family at this point. And now we have an extended member of that. We have RJ from the Dynasty Commish side of things. So if you listen to the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast that we rep when Chris and Eric came on last episode, they also have a Dynasty brand of that as well, which is strictly Dynasty content. RJ, Brian, and Josh do a hell of a job on that side. So when you download the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast, make sure you also get the Dynasty side of it as well. These guys are doing really great things, and I'm very excited to bring in RJ to do the rookie rundown for the AFC South it is our final division in the rookie rundown categories. Bobby and I had done a bunch. The Commission boys did the rest. Now we have RJ to break down the AFC South. We're also going to have a dynasty discussion. You guys know that I'm a little more old, old school. Bobby and I lean more toward the redraft side of things. And Lucas and Dwayne lead more to the dynasty side of things. So we get a little bit of 50-50 here on the podcast but it is dynasty season. It is May. We are in dynasty season. We are in rookie drafts right now. And uh, no better uh, guest to bring on right now than my man RJ. We'll bring him in. And uh, RJ, it is really great to have you on finally, man. Again, I've been a, a big fan of your work for quite a while. Um, you know, we love the Kamish boys in general. You're a new family member uh, to them for this last season or so. And uh, I love what you and Josh and Brian are able to do on the dynasty side of things. Um, really quickly, just just kind of introduce yourself to the TCK Potters. Again, very familiar with the Kamish boys in general, but what you guys are doing on the dynasty side of things and why maybe you lean more dynasty than redraft. Um, have you always been dynasty? Do you also play redraft? Tell me a little bit about yourself, where everybody can find you and, and what you're doing, man. I'm happy to have you on. Sounds great. Glad to be here. Thanks so much, Sky, for uh, extending the invitation. Um, it's great to be part of the commission boys uh, in that family and kind of doing the dynasty thing over there. Those are some, some great guys I got plugged into last year, actually helped them uh, with their draft strategy in, in the kickoff of their uh, listener dynasty league that they did with you. So um, I was kind of behind the scenes with them. Then we had started our podcast last year and we decided to, to kind of merge with them and bring our content to uh, the commission podcast. So, um, you know, in terms of dynasty, I I felt like it was a natural progression, and I'm actually surprised you hadn't taken the leap 
given your longevity in mm. in redraft. But I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was really good at redraft. And I got <laughs> to the point where I was like, dude, I'm really good at this. Like, and I hate giving up my team every year because yeah. I'm so good that like I want to keep my team. And so Brian and I actually, I mean, we go way back. We um we were doing a seasonal every year redraft 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 and then we were like okay let's extend it to keepers um let's extend it to a 10 team keeper league and then finally i was like dude let's just go full gm and we'll keep everybody and 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 brian was like i don't know uh if we do that let's let's do it this way and so we decided to go all in on full dynasty we actually even did two quarterback dynasty Mm -hmm. which was Nobody was doing two QB leagues. This was, I'm talking, uh, this goes back to 2012. Um, so nine years ago, we did a two QB league and that was it. We ran that league for um, about seven years. And then uh, we wanted to expand it to a 12 team league. So we we blew it up and expanded it. And yeah, we, we've really enjoyed the dynasty landscape. It's fun uh, finding new strategies for trades and different things like that. And, and kind of being on the NFL grind uh, all year round, you know, it keeps the NFL alive. Dude, I, I love that. And that's funny. I have a, I have a similar trajectory. I've been playing redraft since 2008 or nine or so. And my home league started it just like a bunch of poker buddies, a bunch of dudes I played baseball with and shit growing up. And um, basically we did the same thing where it was like, you have a couple great players and you're just kind of like, damn, dude, I don't want to throw them back in the pond, you know? And dynasty wasn't dynasty yet, as you mentioned, like it wasn't quite a thing yet. Um, so we would do it every year. And then we were like, you know, let's do a keeper. Let's like, you get to keep one player and then we're like, ah, shit, let's keep two players. And now you hear three. And if you listen to the fantasy footballers, they have a cool thing where they actually do like three keepers, but one of them is kind of this auction and and it's a raffle. So you only get two of the three back. And so it, it, it adds a little more excitement. Um, so we started doing the same thing. And then about three or four years ago, I, I, I started playing Dynasty and didn't know what to do. I was out of my league, bro. Like, I feel like I'm pretty good at redraft too. Um, but dynasty's different. You draft differently. It's a full year situation. We're talking right now in May about like serious conversations in dynasty because people are drafting right now for rookie content. Like what we tell people today on this podcast, people are going to do tonight in their leagues and it's going to stick for the season and, and years to come. Redraft is more kind of predictive. Like, eh, let's see how the rookies turn out. Let's see what preseason looks like. Let's find out where Aaron Rodgers lands. Like, does Deshaun actually play or not? Let's wait on all that shit. We're not getting into it until July, for real, in redraft. Dynasty, we're already like a month behind, <laughs> frankly. So I'm really excited to get into this, man. Um, it's It's been a lot of fun listening to you guys on the on the, the Commish Dynasty side. Again, you, Brian, and Josh do a great job. And, of course, uh, we're longtime family with uh, Chris, Eric, and Alex as well. So on the guy, I want to so. add something there. Yeah. Because- you do have a listener base that might be newer to dynasty. You, you touched on a point that it actually came up when we rebooted our home league and expanded it out to 12 uh, teams. We did that in j- just following the NFL draft. I think it was maybe June. Um, and this was in 2019. If, 
if you're not familiar, uh, you could go back in the archives. But in 2019, I think Darius Geis was a rookie. He tore his ACL in camp. Uh, Andrew Luck retired. Um, there was a bunch of other someone. Allen Robinson might have tore his ACL in 2019. There was a ton. It was attrition, just a war of attrition on some high end assets in Dynasty. And some guys were really pissed that we started our dynasty up in June before all of this went down in camp. So Mm -hmm. if you're new to dynasty and you want to take the plunge, but you're coming from that redraft realm, do your first dynasty startup just like a redraft. Wait until camp is over. Wait till things are settled. And that way you get the full effect kind of in a redraft manner and then kind of it tails it tails off into the off season and, and you get to feel that out with as, as much information as possible and you can learn on the job so to speak i think that's an excellent point man and one thing that's really frustrating to me last year the uh chris and i steam you know kind of headed it but the commish boys and tck were involved in what we called um the Jeem Dynasty League, and it was basically like up and coming accounts from Instagram, you know, people with followers of 250 to a thousand, kind of like, you know, up and coming, but taking it seriously. And we were part with 12 other group or 10 other groups, and everybody was taking it seriously. We all have podcasts and channels, and we decided to do the draft in April. It was a slow draft, it took us like three weeks to do it, whatever. And the Kamish boys had, and then the draft happened, or I'm sorry, this is pre-draft. So it happened in, in March. Then the draft happened and the Kamish guys got slaughtered in rookies coming in. I think they picked like, I don't know. I think it was like they picked carry on Johnson and Deandre Swift came in. Um, they picked uh, Todd Gurley and uh, Cam Akers came in. Um, there was like three or four of those situations for them and they were furious. And I get it because if you're starting a league, I agree with you. You should draft once you know everything in August, I agree with you. But once you're in that dynasty league, then it becomes year round. And when the Super Bowl ends and it's March, April, May, you start, you know, redrafting. You have your rookie draft after the NFL draft and you you kick it back up. But I think that's a great call, RJ. And I'm glad that you think that way because I get kind of frustrated when people invite me into dynasty leagues and I'm like, sure, man, it's May. And like, thanks. I, I'd love to be in your league. Thanks for inviting me. When do we draft? hoping they're like oh you know late july and it's always like ah bro like tomorrow i'm like what the fuck you know it's like it's like i don't want to say no because i want to play and and the invites are always you know it's flattering but i'm also like dude i know you're stoked but i i don't want to do that anymore i'm tired of drafting guys i think are good today like if i draft Devontae adams today i'm really happy about it i could be really upset about that in three weeks and it could throw off my whole rest of my team and i just I have enough stress with this shit anyway. I don't want to get into more of that, you know? So I, I am glad that you, you feel that way um, with uh, startup drafts. Now, last question, and we'll dive into things here. Um, rookie drafts. I know the blood gets flowing as soon as draft weekend ends. Sunday happens, Monday morning, Twitter blows up, and everybody's drafted rookies, and, and it's game on. Are you that guy, or are you still kind of like, Let's wait to see some of these guys out at camp. Like, does Mac Jones actually have an opportunity to even be a part of this team this year? You know, um, is Travis Etienne actually a wide receiver? Like, do you want to know those kind of things? So we're talking closer to late May, June, or are you chomping at the bit? Well, it's like, fuck, man, the guys have landed. It's go time. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on on drafting immediately. Uh, this is my so I really scaled up on Dynasty last year into multiple leagues. 
And this was my first year doing uh, a ton of rookie uh, dynasty drafts right after the draft. I don't necessarily advise that because even though it's a slow draft, it is insane uh, trying to navigate multiple leagues and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm chomping at the bit. Last year, the moment Jonathan Taylor was drafted, uh, we started our home league, home league rookie draft. I had 101 that I had traded Corey Davis for and was pretty pumped about. And that was it. Boom, Jonathan Taylor on the board. Everybody else can go if they want to or they can wait. That's the nature of like a slow rookie draft. But yeah, I'm all in uh, well before camp and things like that. And that's part of the nature of, of just the job, right? Like we are constantly looking into rookies and, and diving into film and, and setting things up so that once the landing spots are in, we kind of know where we want to go for the most part. We've we've talked about it ad nauseum. And so we're ready to go. Whereas again, the casual listener, if you're in a more casual league, if you can hold out and wait until things continue to develop over the course of the off season, then you're going to be better suited. You're going to feel um, more excited about the uh, taking on dynasty. Whereas like you said, the reaction could be, it'll leave a sour taste in your mouth. We want people to stay in dynasty. We want them to enjoy it. We don't want you to draft uh, right after draft night to draft Darius guys. And three months later, he tears his ACL like that, that just ruins it for you and you may never come back. And and so um, take it slow as you're getting in and as you become more uh, adjusted and more of a, a veteran, if you will, then you can go nuts. I love it, man. I love that. And I'm I'm glad you said all that because that's how I feel about it with Dynasty. But I'll be honest. I mean, we got four guys on our squad. And I would say that that Bobby, LaMarco, and I are the redraft guys. Lucas and Dwayne are the Dynasty guys. Now, all of us play everything, auctions and Dynasty and redraft and, and best ball. We do it all. But I lean more toward redraft as opposed to Dynasty. And it's glad, uh, you know, it's good to hear a, a Dynasty cat like yourself Um give that advice that i've been feeling for a while anyway so for sure i appreciate it man uh quite the quite the intro but it's been a long time coming for you to come on um and uh, i'm excited to get into this what we're going to do is we're going to get into our rookie rundown of the afc south uh if you're watching on youtube listeners you're you're clearly a colts fan uh luck hilton and manning there behind you um so we're going to kick it off with the afc south uh i am sitting here with rj of the commish dynasty football podcast make sure to download that and give rj a follow on twitter uh and if you are streaming live on facebook youtube periscope twitter feel free to jump in the comments if you have any dynasty questions for rj right now we'll bring those up in real time as we get them without any further ado man let's get into it um i'm gonna basically just coast us through uh these four teams here and uh, just get your replies quickly we'll take a quick break for our sponsors and then when we come back in the second half we're going to dive through the top 20 dynasty uh, picks as of right now in May, and then we'll kind of dive a little bit deeper on some of those sleepers here. So we'll start here with the Houston Texans. Again, we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson, so we're not going to mention uh, much of that. I don't want to. I don't want to get into um, too much of Deshaun Watson at this point. But they do draft Davis Mills. I'm a West Coast guy. I live down the street from Watson Stadium. I'm an Oregon Duck. Uh, I watch a lot of Stanford football. Davis Mills is not going to light the league on fire, but I think he's a quality quarterback that was underrated personally. Only played 12 games. I get it. Uh, but Trey Lance went number three. He played 17 in the FCS. So I like Davis Mills. They pick him third in the third round. Nico Collins out of Michigan. 
hit or miss there with the draft grade just because Michigan's Michigan and this kid's an animal, but he went to Michigan and he was used improperly. And Brevin Jordan, who goes in the fifth round, but I think arguably the most athletic tight end outside of Kyle Pitts in this draft. So how do you feel about these uh, Texan landing spots here, Mills, Collins, and Brevin Jordan? Yeah, so um, as we started to go live, the Texans signed Jeff Driscoll which uh, it, it just continues to be more and more intriguing, right? They're bringing more and more quarterbacks into the quarterback room with the situation looming on Watson. So, you know, I think Davis Mills was a, a young insurance piece. Maybe they get lucky. Um, a lot of times these types of guys don't really have staying power in the NFL unless they just absolutely light the world on fire like Dak Prescott or Tom Brady type. Um, but he's intriguing. I mean, it, it I all of us probably think Watson gets suspended. So um, does Davis Mills get a look because we all know what Tyrod Taylor is? I'm not sure. Davis Mills was actually one of my favorite flyers that I was going to take in the third and fourth rounds of uh, rookie dynasty drafts in terms of super flex. I always speak in terms of super flex, by the way. Uh, but actually listening to um, your pod with Ryan Leaf, you guys, I believe, talked up Kellen Mond quite a bit. So now I have zero shares of Davis Mills, <laughs> and I have quite a few shares of Kellen Mond. I'm and I actually Kellen really Mond, like yeah. the take a lot uh, after doing some more uh, deep dives into Kellen Mond. Unfortunately, he's not on today's show, but I will say I like I like the Kellen Mond talk you guys had. Yeah, that's great. And uh, shouts out to our, you know, my, I could say my, my friend at this point, Ryan Leaf. Um, I uh, co-produce a show with him, the Ryan D. Leaf Show, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1230 to 1.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can check us out on YouTube, the Ryan D. Leaf Show with the one and only Ryan Leaf, former number two overall pick, Heisman finalist, yada, yada. Um, yeah, again, I mean, he, he, for the last couple of years, he's worked for the Pac-12 Network and I mean, lives in the Pac-12, and he loves Davis Mills. Mm -hmm. um, and I do too, but I love Kellen Mond. And again, just being overshadowed in the ACC by everybody else there, Kellen Mond's the truth, man. And I don't think he's going to do anything for three years unless Kirk Cousins gets hurt, but I love him in Minnesota. I don't want to digress too much, but I do no, love no. Kellen Mond. So he's definitely a, um, a super flex dynasty hold for sure. Davis Mills, I think, will play sooner than later either Terod Taylor yeah. doesn't pan out or he could get injured. The last two teams that Terod Taylor's been on, the rookie behind him has come up and broken all the, the Peyton Manning rookie records, right? Uh, yep. Baker Mayfield a couple of years ago with the Browns. My boy Justin Herbert last year with the Chargers. We'll see what happens with Davis Mills this year. You'll know what you have in Davis Mills really quickly. Um, Nico Collins, we talked about Nico Collins and, and Brevin Jordan as well. So Nico is Brian's favorite flyer. So Brian is our... He runs the show handle on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Addicts uh, and is my co-host over on the Commish Dynasty podcast. So Brian is really, really eating up Nico Collins. I mean, he's got the the third round day two draft pedigree. He's in a situation that's kind of unsettled beyond Brandon Cooks. Uh, if Deshaun Watson is there, you got to like those odds of, of playing with a super, superstar quarterback. Um, you know, he's an average prospect at best, but he's got good size. Um, and you never know, you know, uh, these, these top end quarterbacks will elevate talent. So, uh, as Watson's situation becomes more clear, I think Nico Collins may even start to sneak up boards and then Brevin Jordan, everybody's 
darling. He was everybody's tight end too, for the most part, heading into the pro days. And he really flopped at his pro day. And so I try to do some more digging on why he fell in the NFL draft. For those of you that don't know, he went in the fifth round, um, had a great tight end career at Miami. He looked the part, in my opinion. He, I, I thought maybe there was off-field issues that could have driven that price down, and and we may not know. You know, they know so much more than we do at the NFL level mm-hmm. when they're drafting these guys. Um, that said, th- this is the type of guy that if the off-field issues, if that is something that exists, and he overcomes them, he can he can emerge, right? If that's something that wasn't ex- in existence and it truly was just because he had a bad pro day, DK Metcalf had a bad. You know, it's famous for having a bad shuttle. People can overcome. Brevin Jordan's the type of athlete that I would want to uh, bet on on that. I'm not going to reach on him, but I would I would be willing to scoop some value on Brevin Jordan in that offense. Absolutely. I think that's a great call. And again, I think he's just uber athletic, and I bet on the talent more often than not, especially when you're late in your drafts there. Uh, I'm going to leave your Colts for the end here. Why don't we skip on to the Jags? Of course, the talk of uh, the draft. We knew this was coming about four months ago. Um, We know this was coming for about two years. Uh, Trevor Lawrence goes first overall to the Jaguars, and then they go Travis Etienne in the back of the first round. This was surprising because they actually moved up. They they probably could have gotten him where they were in the first pick of the second round, but they move up after Najee Harris goes. They moved up to get him. Um, Urban Meyer, of course, has since come out in the last couple of weeks, um, claiming that he's going to be playing some wide receiver. He, he could be looking for that Percy Harvin, uh, player that I've been talking about for quite a while. Percy Harvin with Urban Meyer back in the Florida days was phenomenal. And outside of migraines, unfortunately, he was one of the better athletes we've seen in the last two decades in Minnesota and Seattle. And unfortunately just couldn't last in the NFL with his migraines, but uh, Luke Farrell and, and uh, Jalen camp way down the list here. We can skip on those guys, but uh, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, both these guys are going to be dynasty darlings for a long time. Um, how do you feel about them both? And and we do have a, we have a couple questions coming in here in the quarterbacks, which I'll get to in a little bit, but how do you feel about Trevor Lawrence and, and Travis Etienne? When you told me we were doing the AFC South, I was like, man, they really didn't get any talent. I think I've been very much burying in, the back, <laughs> right, burying in the back of my head that the Jacksonville Jaguars actually went out and drafted two offensive studs. So yeah. um, obviously Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's been talked about for years and years. Um, and and now he's here. He's arrived. The The Jets foiled their plans and their shot at him and, and gave him to Jacksonville. And honestly, it's probably for the best because Jacksonville tends to screw this up. You can't screw it up with Trevor Lawrence. He is an amazing prospect. Um, I had put in my notes that Davis Mills out of uh, Stanford is no Andrew Luck, whereas Trevor Lawrence has been often comped to Andrew Luck. He has more of a similar type of college production, not these gaudy, flashy numbers, but just he's very good with the ball in his hands. He makes good decisions. Um, but he also happens to have won a title and, and uh, a Heisman Trophy, unlike Luck. So you cannot go wrong with Trevor Lawrence. It's unfortunate that he's in the AFC South against my Colts because I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to be really, really good. And I do think that Urban Meyer, uh, either either there was some influence from Trevor Lawrence because he was always going to be that pick. And so there was a lot more conversation, right? What do you want? And And maybe Trevor said, look, 
this is a guy in in Travis Etienne that that had 60 targets and 38 targets mm-hmm. in back-to-back seasons. Like Trevor Lawrence pressed on his running back in the backfield. Um, and and that's not something that you know the UDFA James Robinson really profiled as. So to bring in a true pass catching back uh, of of the prowess of, of Travis Etienne in college, where they don't really catch passes at the running back position, is something that I think was a specific fit for Trevor Lawrence. And and Urban Meyer is going to adopt that into his playbook. I think there's a lot of misdirection. I don't know if Urban Meyer is just weird. I know everybody kind of hates on Urban Meyer <laughs> with with what they're going to do with him. But I, I will say there's no doubt in my mind that Travis Etienne has packages where he lines up in the slot. There's no doubt in my mind that James Robinson will, without a doubt, get touches um, and, and run between the tackles and things like that. Uh, and, and we're going to see creative usage of Travis Etienne. But he's a first-round running back who's an excellent wide or an excellent receiver out of the backfield. Um, and people are really shying away from that. And I think that they're going to be mistaken. I think he's very underrated in this offense. Yeah. And former teammates, of course, at Clemson as well. So that'll be interesting. Jags making moves here with, uh, two Clemson Tigers right off the bat there, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Uh, let's go to the Titans. Um, they did a lot of work on defense, which I think was a great move. Obviously they lose Corey Davis. They lose John Smith. Um, but most of the rest of that offense is firing on all cylinders. And those guys, frankly, weren't huge cogs in that offense. So they should be just fine there. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth round, and then Racy McCath in the sixth. But any uh, anything to mention with Des Fitzpatrick, or we can just straight up put a pin in it and mention it later. If you'll maybe as, as one of our sleepers, we'll talk later on. If not, um, anything to get excited about with the Titans draft. Yeah, there's there's not much there. I mean, if you guys do listen to a lot of the podcasts, especially if Josh and I get on together in in uh, the Commission Dynasty, we nerd out on on analytics and stats and and things that go far beyond you know receptions and and so on. Um, and one of those things is is uh, day three pedigree, especially at the wide receiver position. It's rare to have an Antonio Brown. It's rare to have a Steph Diggs. Um, and so a lot of times I'm fading all of those guys. A lot of people look at the situation in Tennessee and they say, Corey Davis is gone. Josh Reynolds is meh. So we have an open competition at the second wide receiver, second in the pecking order in, in that offense. So maybe Des can ascend. That's about all it is. Um, uh, in terms of, of that specific scenario, I'm not going to really chase after a sixth round wide receiver. Um, so if you're going to add him, it's a speculative ad in a dynasty league. And, and really there's not much else to talk about in Tennessee, man. I, uh, I've been, a I don't know about a truther, but I've been a fan of, uh, Josh Reynolds from the beginning. It was kind of tongue in cheek on this podcast years ago when we were looking for deep, deep, deep sleepers. And I put him on my list originally when I started the show from the Rams and he's just never had the chance, but when he's gotten the chance in um, Los Angeles, he's done well. So if he can get Corey Davis's workload, I do think that uh, Josh Reynolds will be just fine. And then we'll go to your Colts, man. Um, not fantasy relevant, but Quiddy pays a nice pickup there in the first round. Uh, Kylan Granson and Sam Ellinger, and Mike uh, Strachan in the seventh round. So let's talk about, you know, I mean, an extra tight end. Right now they don't have a tight end other than 
uh, Jack Doyle, unless I'm mistaken. They might have Zach Ertz in a couple weeks, but that hasn't happened yet. Oof. And then and then Sam Ellinger, like it's Carson Wentz for now, but Carson Wentz has gotten banged up the last three or four seasons. Would you would you trust Sam Ellinger, who was okay, but Texas isn't Texas anymore, and they picked him up in the sixth round. Yeah, so Sam is so interesting. I thought that was a really interesting pick for us. Um, something that must have shown up on tape for Grigson to to just kind of take a flyer on him. And I think that that's all he is. But um, guys like that can pan out in in the right situations if if a Carson Wentz goes down or something like that. Um, not rushing to hold him or anything like that, but I I think it's very interesting. Um, also. Uh, a shout out to Sam. He lost his brother a few days after getting drafted. That was super sad to read that. So um, definitely thoughts were, were with him the last couple of weeks. Um, in terms of the tight end position, we do have Gigantor, uh, yeah, Mo Alley Cox. Cox. He, yeah. he did sign his tender. We put a tender on him, uh, which is very interesting. I believe it was a second round tender, which is pretty high. Um, but I do think overall we have an unsettled, uh, tight end depth chart. So Kylan Granson is somebody that's free in a lot of tight end premium leagues after the rookie draft. I have a couple of shares simply because of that. He's nothing special. Um, if you follow the combine and, and some of those metrics, uh, tight ends that run under a four, seven, those are the tight ends that tend to stick and actually produce in the NFL. Um, and he he ran a 4.64. So even at a pro day, they typically round up uh, 0.05 points. So he runs under that 4.7 threshold. Um, could be meaningless for a fourth round pick, but somebody that uh, a good speculative add in an unsettled situation. I mean, let's face it, tight ends rarely, rarely break out uh, their first year. It's a big adjustment, but uh, I have a couple shares. Percentage chance Zach Ertz ends up in Indianapolis. What do you think? Gosh, I I have acquired several shares of Zach Ertz in in hopes that he comes to Indy. I would say that if he really truly is on the market, there's got to there can't be more than three teams that are that are in the conversation, and so that would put his percentages at thirty three percent. So that would be my my shot if he's truly available. For trade, thirty-three percent chance he's a one. We are the one of the three teams that could be in that conversation. Uh, obviously, that's a ridiculously high percentage, but man, I want it to happen. I got to be honest, bro. I would kick it up to forty plus because if you're knocking it down to three teams, I appreciate your thought process and the math. You actually came up with a real number if there's three teams, but I would say you're the you're the front runner of those three teams. True. Bro. True. Uh, with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. I mean, they have the camaraderie. They have the consistency. We talk about continuity on this podcast relentlessly. It matters so much in the NFL, especially if a quarterback is involved. They have that relationship from all their days back in Philadelphia. It would make sense for Zach Ertz to come over. And there's room for him, right? Yep. I mean, he could be a, a piece of the pie or he could be the immediate starter uh, if he's able to be that guy. And him and Carson Wentz have that prowess in the red zone, at least. So I would I would put your chances much higher, honestly, maybe even 50% and knock the other two to around 25. Not to get you too excited. I don't call uh, any shots, but <laughs> I would be very excited. I do want to give a shout to Josh on this. He uh, did some a deep dive on Titans changing teams in the offseason and in their performance the following season. A lot of times it's not great. 
typically you want to see a tight end sign and stay with the team. Um, in Zach Ertz's case, if he did go to Indianapolis, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with that because it is a system he's familiar with. It's yeah. a system that he is played in, not yeah. like part of the coaching tree. He's played for that coach. And so with that quarterback as well, I feel really secure in in that. And he's only 30 years old. People think he's like 50, you Isn't know? Crazy? Yeah. NF- NFL age is, is so ridiculous because – I don't know. Somebody like Julio Jones, who's a 31 year old man, like (laughs) is just, he's just done. He's completely archaic in the world of NFL. A normal 31 year old man is like five years away from starting his life. Yeah. I just just think it's so, it's so funny. All right, man. Well, I appreciate the rookie rundown for the AFC South. We're going to shut that down. I'm going to kick you off just for a second. You need a water break. Go ahead. I'll break you off for just about one minute, and I'm going to give a shout-out to a couple of sponsors. We'll come back and dive a little bit deeper on the Dynasty side of things. Once again, shout-out to my man, RJ from the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast Dynasty side and big up to the commission crew i want to give a shout out really quick here to two of our sponsors we'll start with the jersey jungle y'all know how we do this dm the jersey jungle on instagram at the jersey jungle you saw rj's three colts jerseys behind him i've got justin herbert this week i've got mark brunel this week another former afc south player of course with the expansion jacksonville jaguars back in 1995 I rotate my jerseys every single week, so you've seen them up behind me. I had Larry Fitzgerald, and I had uh, Julio Jones last week. Both of those came from Jersey Jungle as well. These are stitch and twill jerseys. They are super clean. These are not the paste-on jerseys that run off in the dryer, all right? These are high-quality jerseys. They start at 65 bucks at cost, but you use our promo code TCK, 10% off of one or two jerseys, 3% off of three jerseys. So basically, you can get three jerseys for the cost of one on NFL.com at about $120. They're the same jersey. Super clean. My man Trenton over at Jersey Jungle will help you out. Hit up the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. That's where they like to do their business. DM them at the Jersey Jungle. Tell them TCK sent you. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10 to 15% off of 10 to 15% off of one to three jerseys. And then, of course, we want to give a shout out to the newest Hot sauce in the business, bomb banana hot sauce, banana-based hot sauce, not flavored hot sauce. Go to seekthespice.com. Use the promo code TCK for 10% off of your order. Shouts out to our boys over in Michigan. These guys started in a dorm room for best friends, started a hot sauce company. It has blown up just last week. Two weeks ago, they had a uh, featured article in Forbes magazine. Yes, Forbes magazine. It gave them a shout out here. Bomb banana hot sauce, banana-based hot sauce. You can put it on all of your um, draft day favors, your game day favors, whatever it is. This is the newest thing in uh, the hot sauce world. Delicious. I'm excited for them to expand on other fruits. Um, So it's not – it still gives you that kick, but it has a nice kind of a creaminess with the bananas. It is not banana-flavored. It's banana-based. Go to seekthespice.com. Use TCK to get 10% off of your order once again shout out to bomb banana hot sauce and i gotta give really quick you guys know i always share them here boom we got the one a little bit more bland and we got the red here with the muy muy a little bit more heat for those of you that like that spice we'll bring rj back on here quick and rj i have to ask because i ask everybody else are you a spice guy with hot sauce or are you least spice more flavor 
maybe more more heat. Chris uh, threw it out there that that you know he likes more flavor, less heat. But the misses is all about the heat, so he doesn't really have a choice sometimes. I'm not too much in the heat. How about you? Do you like heat in your hot sauce? So, man, I used to like heat, but as you get older, I feel like you feel it a lot more when it's coming out. And that is <laughs> fair enough. I had to tone it way down on some heat. Okay. I used to work at a wing, uh, a, a wing restaurant a long time uh-huh. ago. We would experiment and make some fun hot sauces and okay, things went okay. south real quick. <laughs> <laughs> literally and figuratively yes i'm i'm sure yeah i hear you man so shouts out bomb banana hot sauce shouts out to the jersey jungle uh before we move on rj you have three um iconic colts there behind you uh you're clearly a colts fan what is a jersey of the colts that you would like to have that you don't yet so first of all i'm super glad that i got these hung up like literally last week this this Manning jersey I've had for uh, a little over 10 years. Oh, luck, luck jersey, I got his rookie year signed by him to me. And I bought the T.Y. Hilton jersey last year because I was bored in COVID <laughs> lockdown. Uh, and I finally framed them literally two to three weeks ago and hung them up. Uh, so super pumped to be on here, not knowing that it was live stream. Sky did not tell me that I was going to be on camera <laughs> Surprise! today. Um, but uh I told myself that this this year I might get myself a little Jonathan Taylor JT, jersey back yeah. there. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go JT. Also, if I'm gonna stay Pac-12 uh, bias, which I usually do, I love me some Michael Pittman. I really, really yeah. hope Michael Pittman uh, t- turns out as well. So JT or Michael Pittman would would be my guys. Uh, Michael Pittman fits the theme, right? 11, 12, 13, 18. Like he fits he fits the the teens. So that, if he, he balls out, I need him to ball out and then he can make the wall. There's there's four other OG fantasy beasts on the Colts. Reggie Wayne, of course, uh, Marvin Harrison. I want to give a shout out to a uh, Dallas Clark. Ooh, and- if you didn't mention Dallas Clark, we would have been in trouble. <laughs> and Edger and James. And yeah. I would mention Marshall Falk, but everybody thinks of him as a Ram. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Edger and James there as well. Hall of Famer Edger and James there. Okay, man, let's have some fun here. So I want to dive into the top 20 uh, dynasty picks right now. And and you had mentioned you always talk in the in the in the um format of super flex yep i'm glad you said that because i don't again we're primarily a redraft podcast unless we do dynasty sections like this episode so i don't i I talk single quarterback no tight end premium redraft full ppr for the most part but you're talking super flex um and then usually there's dynasty or there's a tight end premiums a lot in dynasty leagues as well so let's go through the top 20, man. Um, again, these are the names and the players that everybody knows for the most part. We're familiar with these guys. We can kind of blast through these. I, you know, We don't need to break down every single player and stuff, but kind of mention them, just mention the name, the team, and kind of remember us, and then just give us maybe a sentence or two on each player, and uh, we can go a little bit deeper on some of these guys. And after we get through maybe the first or second round, um, I want to dive into maybe four, five, six players in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds of dynasty leagues because the reality is we were talking pre-show you only have so many first and second round picks and i know that you can manipulate things and get more in those rounds but if the people in your league know what they're doing they're not they're going to see you with four first round picks they're no longer going to trade with you yep. so you need to have you need to find that value you need to find the gems that you can wait on um maybe a quarterback like davis mills or kellen mond that you're like man i trust this guy 
but maybe in two or three years, but you still want to get them on your team while you can, because you always say the cheapest time you're going to get any player is in the rookie draft of a dynasty league before they acquire the actual value. So let's dive in. I'll just read off a handful of names. Maybe we'll do like clumps of four or five um, and you can just rattle through them really quickly here and uh, we'll get into them. So let's go here with, uh, again, we're talking super flex. You're going to hear a lot of quarterbacks listeners who are not used to that on this uh, podcast. A lot of quarterbacks. Okay. We'll start up at the top. No surprise at the one one Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars. One Oh two, my man, Trevor, uh, Trey Lance, one Oh four. This is, let's see, Justin Fields. And then we have Kyle Pitts and, um, Najee Harris at five. So let us know one more time where we're getting this information from and then kind of break down that top five that I mentioned. Uh, Lawrence, Lance, Fields, Pitts, and Harris. Yeah, and and what you're seeing um, is, is a median overall, which is why there's no 102 and there was two 104s there. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, there's some discrepancy between Pitts and Fields being at 104 versus like 103 and, and 102. So each of them has a share of 102, uh, AKA why that's a median. And then Lawrence is like the consensus 101. But um, I, I get a lot of my statistics from the analytics of Dynasty, uh, which is uh, at McNamara Dynasty on Twitter. Um, so that's where this information is coming from. He's bringing in uh, real actual uh rookie drafts that are coming off of dlf i believe uh so dynasty league football and so this is the um the actual rookie uh i keep wanting to say startup the actual rookie drafts post nfl draft is what i filtered for um and again so a, a lot of a lot of players here that that um the casual redraft players would not see because they're not running like a, a quarterback premium or a super flex type of uh, league. So uh, Trevor Lawrence, we already kind of talked about him and, and his safety uh, as, as the one one but the discrepancy really lies between Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts and Justin Fields uh, and a little bit of Najee Harris, I'm sure is sprinkled in there. So what you have is you have two quarterbacks in Trey Lance and Justin Fields that can produce fantasy points on the ground. And a lot of times people are, you know, they want to address uh, a, a draft pick the way that the NFL addresses that draft pick. So we know that uh, Justin Fields was drafted uh, at, I believe it was 12, um, 11 overall. And so outside that top 10, so they want to look at him as the fourth quarterback off the board. So I would take him as the fourth quarterback. But the truth is, is when you run, you create fantasy points. We play the game for fantasy points. We do not play it for Super Bowls. Um, and that's why Justin Fields and, and Trey Lance are up there in jockeying for the, the second quarterback off the board, if you will. Um, Trey Lance is super raw prospect. Uh, the fewest starts in NCAA history for a first round quarterback. Um, that's an important stat. That is the 49ers guy. They went up and they got him as their guy. And, um, you know, it sounds like they're going to take it slow. I feel like the 49ers are being pretty honest about what they think of Jimmy G and what they're going to do with Jimmy G. Um, they like Jimmy G and what he does for that team, uh, but he doesn't stay healthy. So will we see Trey Lance this year? I don't know if, if Jimmy G is healthy uh, and winning. I don't think so. If Jimmy G is healthy and they're not winning, then maybe. Um, it's going to be an interesting situation. And then Kyle Pitts, just an athletic freak. 
I, in a non-tight end premium league, I would have a hard time taking Kyle Pitts over Najee Harris. Um, but in a tight end premium league, I have no problem uh, doing that. But the, the the safest bet of all of these players in terms of percentages is the first round running back. They they tend to hit at a significantly higher rate than any of the positions that you just listed in quarterback and tight end, uh, especially in the first round. And we already, if you haven't seen all the freaking hype pieces that Najee Harris is putting out out of uh, Pittsburgh, then you're already missing out. Uh, it sounds like Pittsburgh wants to use him and use him often. And I'm a little surprised here. I mean, Jamar Chase is our next name on the list, but I'm surprised not to see him in the top five. Is that strictly because we're talking about super flex here? So now we have three quarterbacks because when I look at single quarterback dynasty, Jamar Chase is basically a top three pick. Yeah, and and I I don't know if I mentioned it at the, at the top of this segment, but tight end premium is sprinkled into the uh, RDP here, real draft position of actual rookie drafts. That's probably depressing Jamar Chase along with the quarterbacks. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase is, is – is, when it gets to Jamar Chase, the, the five guys that we just listed along with Jamar Chase, those guys are a top echelon hmm. of, of either talent or opportunity. So Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, just exquisite, exquisite prospects at their respective positions. Najee Harris – he had a great college career, but he's old, came out late. You know, he wouldn't have been better than anybody that came out last year in terms of the running backs outside of Edwards Alaire. Um, but he's a first round running back, so he's going to he's gonna have four or five years of just opportunity. And then um, you know, with with the other two quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, you've got the rushing prowess. So you want to take the shots. They they got a five year deal, they're gonna get ample opportunity. Yeah, that's a that's a great call. Okay, let's move on here. We talked about Jamar Chase a little bit, but he's in our next group, so you can re-mention him if you'd like to, or we'll move on. Zach Wilson, um, at 107, Travis Etienne, 108, uh, Javante Williams of the Broncos, 109, Mac Jones, 110, and then Devontae Smith of the Eagles at 111. Yeah, so Jamar Chase, um, just one last thing with him. In terms of him versus the rest of the wide receivers, uh, he's a he's a – big step above um i i know that jalen waddle was drafted only one pick after him and and you know again for the casual player it's hard to really draw the comparison or look at the difference especially since jamar chase sat out the full season but he uh, to summarize it as loosely and easily as possible he broke out at a younger age he did amazing amazing things in that that joe burrow year um and that's what you want to see in a collegiate player uh, versus some of you know what Devonta Smith did and Jalen Waddle, um, so that's why I have Jamar Chase up there, and that's why he's consensus up there. Uh, so Zach Wilson and Mac Jones are the two quarterbacks mentioned in this tier. Again, first round quarterbacks uh, or quarterbacks drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. Typically, you want to draft them in the first round of your rookie drafts if you can. Uh, Justin Herbert. A lot of people really hated on Justin Herbert last year. And he fell to the middle of the second rounds in, in super flex rookie drafts. And obviously we see how that turned out. So I think people are overreacting a little bit this year and they're making sure that all these quarterbacks are up there, or I should say properly reacting. Overcorrecting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're overcorrecting for their mistake last year. Look, 
no matter what you believe in Mac Jones or or Zach Wilson, if you're a Zach Wilson hater, they have the pedigree and they that fifth year option is uber, uber important. And we play dynasty in terms of seasons, not a season. Uh, and so that's an important designation. And then you, you touched on two running backs, uh, Travis Etienne. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Um, that pass catching is super important to me. He is again, a first round running back. They, they have staying power. They tend to hit and hit often, uh, in terms of a top 24 season or better. Uh, Javonta Williams, great prospect. He did share with Michael Carter, um, at, at UNC. So that is odd to me, but he really looks electric on film, has a good profile, uh, I'm drafting him and I'm not going to be too concerned uh, about that. And I would take him in the position that he's being taken there. And then the last player you mentioned is Devonta Smith. So uh, if you haven't heard, Devonta Smith is extremely small. He's extremely underweight. Uh, he looks frail. Um, he's 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 thin, not small. I think small is like thin. Yeah, he's short like six and foot. That's skinny. right. Like he's not. He's yeah. He's taller. I get it. But just to be clear on it, like like a guy like Darren Smalls or Darren uh, Sproles was small. Um, but you know, Darren uh, Smalls. Darren Smalls. Uh, but Devonta Smith is at least he is, got the height. He's, he's just he's thin. thin. Yeah. Um, you know, Marvin Harrison is what you hope that he can become. And Fuck. look, the guy won the Heisman. He he's an amazing athlete. Like, I don't want to take away from that. Um, but that's what you hope he becomes. And no, no one of that stature has, has ever achieved that uh, specifically that stature. He's, he's a little bit built differently from Marvin Harrison, but that's, that's the closest best comp uh, that you can get. So he is definitely our first risky uh first round pick yep and the other one we'll just carry on here the other one would be jalen waddle right behind him former teammate at alabama at the 111 spot as well here trey sermon of my niners 202 rashad bateman on the ravens 202 as well elijah moore on the jets 204 and we'll stop at rondale moore uh, of the cardinals at 204 as well so once again uh waddle sermon bateman uh and both moores elijah and rondale it, it's funny, like I actually got this to load and, and the images I sent you this afternoon are already outdated, but the, it's the same four, but Bateman is overtaken uh, sermon. So it'll fluctuate. Of course, these uh, we're, we're exactly. talking in May. I mean, this shit's going to be crazy by August, but we got, oh, man, we got wait right till now. we start getting data on these guys yeah. uh, at camp and whatnot. You, you got a lot of circulating images and stuff too. And, and narratives are starting to come out of camp, but Jalen Waddle, um, Man, excellent player. Just couldn't put it together at the right time. See, uh, you know, he played behind uh, Ruggs and Judy last year along with Devonta Smith. And Devonta Smith was just, he, he is just truly phenomenal uh, in what he has accomplished in his collegiate career. Jalen Waddle gets hurt this year. I think that that actually stifles his ability to produce. And it also helps lead to a Devonta Smith uh, Heisman. Overall, he's a talented player, but he's a risky profile. So you have to, as a dynasty player, split hairs there. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to do you want to look at the data that says he's a risky profile because he's never broken out? And what that means is he's never achieved higher than 20% or 30% of the overall production of his offense. Hmm. Or do you want to look and say, hey, man, he's a sixth overall pick. Um, and, and from, and, and he was talented when he was on the field 
And now he's back with his college quarterback and, and bet on that. And again, risk there's risk there in that pick, but there's risk in all of these picks. Yep. Um, moving down, I'm going to talk about the other three wide receivers. It seems that there is a, a, a bit of a tear break once you get past Waddle and you're looking at Bateman and the two Moors. Um, Bateman has an excellent profile. He was my wide receiver too. Uh, going into the NFL draft, and he remains my wide receiver too coming out of the NFL draft. Look, we all know Lamar Jackson uh, has accuracy issues. Um, does he Does he have this amazing correction uh, like Josh Allen did and really ascend in that department? I don't know. Is, Ron, is Rashad Bateman the guy that, that helps that ascension? Potentially. Uh, he's no Steph Diggs, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I like the situation. I think he can, he can dominate and be the wide receiver one in that scenario. So hopefully, uh, he ascends. Um, and then the two Moors, I like Elijah Moore better than Rondell Moore in terms of their situation. Elijah Moore has the opportunity to emerge and be the leading wide receiver. Whereas Rondell Moore, I mean, he's undersized, uh, with massive explosion. Um, but he's going to be playing second fiddle to Kyler Murray, in the run game uh, and DeAndre Hopkins in the receiving game. So um, I would, I would split it with Elijah Moore over Rondell Moore and then wrapping that up with Trey Sermon. There's a lot of controversy around Trey Sermon and the guy that we're going to talk about in the next group of guys, Michael Carter. Um, people like Michael Carter because they feel like his situation is better. People like Trey Sermon um, because of the draft capital and they feel like his situation is better. Um, I will say that I, I gave a huge breakdown on our last, last pod on, uh, the commission dynasty talking about why Trey Sermon in just the raw numbers is, is a safer bet than Michael Carter in just the raw statistics or the raw numbers. Um, so if you're more interested in a deep dive on that, you can check that out. Um, but look, Shanahan backs over the last several years have been a war of attrition, a lot of injury. If Trey Sermon can emerge, if draft capital does mean something to the Shanahan's, then he's going to get 60 plus percent of the opportunity and he's going to do well with that. He's an, he's a big bruising back uh, with, with a, a good offense and a good defense. So I'm, I'm in on taking shots at that. That's kind of my short on Trey Sermon. I constantly tweet about him because everybody hates him. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And actually, we did have Chris chime in here uh, on Twitter and Periscope. How do you guys feel about Trey Sermon? So I'll bring that up right now. Look, uh, I'm biased as a Niner fan, but I always like to put that aside when I'm actually talking fantasy. Um, the reality is right now he steps into a backfield with six and a half running backs. And until two or three of these guys get cut, probably – Wayne Gallman and Jamichael Hasty, maybe even uh I mean, it could even be Raheem Moser, believe it or I've not. I've seen that circulating. Yeah, depend I mean, just the age and everything else. I mean, I still think he's the starter. Um, I just drafted him in like the ninth round of a dynasty league, which you probably frown upon, but I, I needed another running back. And I was like, well, shit, if I get one year out of him, I'm I'm pumped if he's healthy. So Trey Sermon, I think, is an athlete, I think will be fine. And if he landed anywhere other than San Francisco, I wouldn't be as bullish. But because he lands in San Francisco, they have turned running backs nobody's ever heard of until week five when they blow up for the Niners 
they've turned those guys into RB2s minimum in fantasy football. Um, they've had three different running backs over the last two seasons score three touchdowns in a game. All right, Raheem Mostert, who was nobody for five years in the NFL, ran for 200 yards, and, and he is very good, but it's the scheme itself. It's a Shanahan scheme dating back to his pops in Denver with Terrell Davis. Um, now you get a high pedigree guy coming out of state, just, I mean, the legendary names that come out of Ohio state running backs. And now you have this kid coming out here, um, who, you know, may not be the starter day one. If Raheem Mostert leaves though, I think Sermon might be, if it's not Jeff Wilson. And I think even if it is Jeff Wilson, Sermon would take him over. And if he can stay healthy, I think it'd be just fine. So I want to kind of pump the brakes on my analysis because, um, a lot of my analysis is face value. That's why you're here for the dynasty, the dynasty uh, deep dives. But um, I am excited to see him in the system because of 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 where he landed. But if you switch him, you put Michael Carter with the 49ers and you put Trey Sermon on the Jets. I'm definitely not as excited for Trey Sermon because as an individual, I'm not over overly thrilled. Um, I think yeah. the landing spot was tremendous for him, and he will succeed in the landing spot with his with his capabilities. So I think that's key. Two two things emerged out of that. One, you're a fan, and sometimes fans can have rose-colored glasses, right? They can mm-hmm. see things with with the like. You're so pumped that that you got Trey Sermon. He's going to be the best. Um, but other times, fans watch so closely that they truly do know a lot more about that team. And so um, you can kind of weed through that as as the listener as to which which side you think that is. Um, but the other thing is, is if they were switched, and I think that that's a, a good point. So a lot of people liked Mark Michael Carter coming into the NFL draft. A lot of them had him ranked as their fourth running back. I I had it close between Michael Carter and Trey Sermon. A lot of that was on the heels on the heels of Trey Sermon's end of season run, and I felt like he was just a a, a coach's type of back. Look, that's just a feeling. That's nothing. I actually projected him to the. Th- uh, Jags in the third round. And that was one of the only picks that really worried me about James Robinson. Um, if they were switched and Trey Sermon went in the fourth round to uh, New York and Michael Carter went in the third round to San Francisco, I would be in the same boat in terms that I would be drafting Michael Carter ahead of Trey Sermon because the pedigree is there. And I liked Michael Carter's profile he's a little bit short but he's a bowling ball he can catch the ball and things like that so you know pedigree says a lot about about a situation and of course situation says a lot too but um i just i wanted to touch on that because i i thought that that was a good point i totally agree and chris when you listen back man i appreciate you uh chiming in we have another question here but i'll get to that at the end let's move on here with our final tier and then we'll dive into just a couple deeper names in the rookie category Michael Carter comes up on the list. We've talked about him at length at this point, but let's talk about Michael Carter of the Jets, 205. Terrace Marshall, one of my favorite wide receivers in general in this class. Um, Another LSU machine at 205. Uh, Kadarius Toney, very uh, polarizing character in in, uh, fantasy football in general at 208. And then Pat Fryermuth, the second tight end um, on this list here to the Steelers at 208. So Michael Carter, Terrace Marshall, Kadarius Tony, and Pat Firemouth. So again, back to the tight ends. It's tight end premium. So that's why you see Patty Fry up there. Uh good overall profile. I, I like Patty Fry. I 
you know, not much to say that he's my second tight end in this class. And that's largely on pedigree. If, if Brevin Jordan was drafted in, in the second or third round, I'd probably take a little bit more of a gamble on Jordan uh, just because of his college production. But um, that's, that's why Pat's here. Now looking at the two wide receivers and the running back, honestly, I would, I don't, I hate Kadarius Tony. I hate his profile. He didn't break out until he was 21. He's a fourth year, uh, you know, fourth year collegiate wide receiver. Typically you want to see your wide receivers come out at 20, uh, at, in their third year. There's a lot with wide receivers for them to really have staying power. I would take Kadarius Tony over Michael Carter. I will not, I will do my best not to just draft on situation. Fourth round running backs hit at less than 10% of the time for a single top 24 season. Now I know that's super nerdy and I know a lot of you are like, yeah, but the jets and, and and there's nobody there and this, this, and this, I would bet money that Tevin Coleman is the, the first back to take a snap on week one uh, of the season. So, you know, that's just part of it. I hate Kadarius Tony, but he's a first round wide receiver. He has better odds to hit than Michael Carter. I would take him over Michael Carter. So that is probably a hot take in terms of ADP and, and, and Twitter and all of that. That said, uh, I Terrace Marshall is my favorite out of all of these guys. And honestly, uh, I like Terrace Marshall probably better than Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore. Um, I really like the landing spot. I really like the talent. Um, he he was able to break out uh, in college. I mean, there's a lot of positive to say. And Terrace Marshall is coming at a discount simply because he's in what seems to be a crowded situation in Carolina. Uh, but I I disagree that that's crowded. And and he could emerge in year one uh, and, and without a doubt have an opportunity to emerge in year two. Man, I am I'm Sammy D wheels up, man. I'm I'm really stoked on on the Panthers this year. We'll see what happens. And and I agree. I, I got uh, Terrace Marshall in a startup here recently as well, and I'm excited about that. Okay, man. Let's um let's dive into maybe just again two or three names. You can pick one per position if you'd like, or two running backs, two wide receivers. Um, we've talked about all the quarterbacks, I guess, and there's not really another tight end to talk about. So let's uh focus on the running backs and the wide receivers. Why don't you give me two running backs and then maybe I'll just give you an extra name that you don't mention that I might be into. And then you can give me two wide receivers and I'll do the same thing in the um, third, fourth, fifth rounds. If we're going to go that far and you can call these sleepers if you want. I'm more just thinking of like extra names to think of. And, and again, we're starting to get into the realm of these aren't necessarily day one starters. Don't expect to draft these guys and have them make an immediate impact. However, especially wide receivers, these guys could be, People that come, you know, Justin Jefferson was not Justin Jefferson until week three or four, right? Yep. So, so you could potentially Brandon Ayuk was not Brandon Ayuk until like week seven or something stupid. So, you can wait on some of these wide receivers, especially. So, give me uh, maybe two running backs here in the in the second, third to um, fifth round that you're you're extra excited about. So people are taking a few running backs ahead of these guys. I would much rather trade back and, and collect these guys. Um, I have I have three uh, that I want to talk about. So Ramondre Stevenson is one uh, out of Oklahoma. He he split the backfield with Trey Sermon, kept Trey Sermon off the field to where Trey Sermon transferred to Ohio State. Uh, he goes into a system that notably uses uh, the best running back 
New England, look, they they use multiple running backs, yes, but if a running back is producing and doing well, they will run with that uh, running back uh, over others. So I like I like his opportunity in a backfield that can't seem to stay healthy either. And uh, Damian Harris hasn't like wowed anybody. Um, Elijah Mitchell is the next one on this list. Uh, same reasons as Trey Sermon. Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon are the safest two running backs in that backfield. Two people are going home, just like you said, and one of them is probably going to shock us. Uh, and so Elijah Mitchell, prototypical size, uh, what you like to see in a running back, decent profile, looked to be a flyer. He might end up being a special teams guy. He might go the way of Jeff Wilson and end up on the practice squad. I'm not 100% certain, but I, I like taking shots at the San Francisco backfield because when they get called up, they play. Um, the other guy was Jamar Jefferson. So I actually liked him before the carry on Johnson cut. Um, and I like him a little bit more now. He's more of a one injury away stash. Um, you know, I love DeAndre Swift. I've been acquiring a ton of DeAndre Swift. So I don't I don't think he's gonna eat into uh DeAndre Swift's workload. But Jamal Williams is probably going to be playing in situational roles and Jamar Jefferson could have a shot. He's talented enough to come in and, and get some carries if uh, something were to happen in the backfield. Okay. I'll throw another name out there. I know he, again, he's kind of uh, he's maybe like the Kadarius Tony of running backs, uh, at least of the guys getting drafted notably um, thoughts on Kenny Gainwell. And yeah. it's mostly because he's a PPR guy. I mean, we're all hoping – I mean, James White set the standard, right? Well, really it was like Theo Riddick back in the day who was like the hybrid wide receiver running back, James White, Gio Bernard, you know, some of these guys. Um, although it's very crowded, obviously, in Philadelphia. And now they bring – they have Miles Sanders still. So they bring back Jordan Howard for some reason. Now they bring in Carryon Johnson, and they have Kenny Gainwell, and they have Boston Scott. It's a mess, but um, he had a great – couple seasons at, at Memphis and uh, they have produced some quality NFL running backs, um, namely Antonio Gibson. So how do you feel about Kenny Gainwell? And um, is he somebody that you could see emerging, maybe not passing Miles Sanders, but could he be the, the one, two, or at least take Miles Sanders off on third downs? So Gainwell's another guy that I really, really liked preseason or pre-draft, but he didn't get the pedigree. Um and, and that was a little bit disappointing because I, I liked all the things you, you just said about him. Uh, I did like his opportunity when he landed in Philadelphia. I didn't love it by any means. He's being drafted in the second round. So at cost, I'm not in. But um, in, in terms of just the player, and especially if you're looking in redraft, I, I think he's a little bit more talented for a situational piece. He's obviously more talented than Jord, uh, Jordan Howard. The carry on Johnson signing hurts because yeah. they didn't plan on carry on Johnson being available uh, when they drafted Kenny Gainwell, but obviously they liked him enough to, to claim him. So I think that that stifles his ability to get on the field this year, but he's definitely a good stash. Cool. All right, let's move on to wide receivers then. Why don't you give me uh, two or three wide receivers that you're stoked on here? So um, there's there's a few wide receivers here. Uh, nobody that I absolutely love, but kind of looking back at again, falling pedigree is is where I I tend to to kind of look. So to 
I guess to kind of spell that out a little bit, there's there's some like Amra Amon Ross St. Brown is going ahead of a lot of guys that were drafted in the second and third round. I wouldn't make that bet just because the situation looks right. Um, but I, I like these two guys that are going back back to back. I like their opportunity and and they got day three cap or uh, uh, round three capital, and that's Daimi Brown and Amari Rogers. Um, they are largely situational, but with capital essentially. Um, you know, Dimey Brown, he's another small slot type guy, uh, nothing a- absolutely world beating by any means, but he's going to be in a, an offense that I think is going to move the ball pretty well. Um, and he'll have opportunities out of the, out of the slot. And he's got a good wide receiver there to kind of lead him. And that seems to be something that he would need in, in order to emerge, um amari rogers if he's playing with aaron rogers look this is the the narrative around amari rogers that's why he's being elevated in rookie drafts um there's issues there i mean we haven't really just like tom brady didn't love rookie wide receivers we haven't really seen the green bay offense be friendly to rookie wide receivers but um he profiles as a slot receiver we've seen that offense be friendly to the slot and so, um, you know, in the third round, you could take worse shots, and I would be happy to take a shot on him. I have been uh, touting Deami Brown for a long time. Before the draft happened and people were putting on Twitter, who was your favorite, you know, sleeper, if you will, but just a name in Dynasty people aren't talking about at the top that could be one of the better guys in the draft class, you know, in, in a year or two. I kept putting Deami Brown. Um, I loved what he was able to do in North Carolina. He's definitely not polished. But look, DK Metcalf, okay, like had a bad combine outside of his 40-yard dash, and he was a um, one-route wide receiver, a limited route tree, raw receiver, all this other shit. Well, he's DK Metcalf, right? I mean, the dude's absolutely phenomenal. I'm not saying De'Ami Brown's going to be DK Metcalf by any means. However, as long as Fitzpatrick is throwing bombs, that's not necessarily Terry McLaurin's game. It's certainly not um, uh, Curtis Samuel's game. The Sims twins out there might have a chance but i do think deami brown's gonna have a chance so he was a name that i, I was excited about um also two more names that you hear for the wide receiver and then we'll wrap this up um how do you feel about um josh palmer for the chargers i've heard nobody talk about josh palmer for chargers um i have my own take but i like to hear yours first uh and then you know maybe some of these speedsters like there's a lot i mean this whole draft class is like five nine one seventy five or whatever um but how do you feel about some of these other guys? I mean, you know, Tylen Wallace again, kind of buried, unfortunately, uh, over there. But Anthony Swartz, um, I don't know, even you know, uh, Tutu Atwell, or you know, some of these other guys. These deeper names, maybe in in uh, Des Fitzpatrick, who we kind of brought up, um, Daz Newsom for the Bears. There's a lot of these like deeper wide receiver names. Um, is there anyone else that sticks out to you? And, and just your thoughts on Josh Palmer? Because I I think he's kind of just slid completely under the waiver or under the waiver completely under the um, radar. And uh, I think he's going to be well, and I'm, I'm just very bullish on Herbert, obviously. Yeah. In my head, I was like, please don't say too, too out. Well, please don't say too, too out. Well, hey, you don't have to talk uh, about too, too. Well, everyone else does. He just, he was on the list and I said it, but let's, let's if you let's want my two, two out. Well, uh, take, I, I did it. I posted a retweet today with two, two. All right, I'll, about, I'll, I'll read it over there. Today. We'll save time on so, the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, in terms Josh of Palmer. Josh Palmer, we actually talked about him last week as well. Um, 
that is the biggest wide receiving core in the NFL. Uh, and so I like that. I mean, he, he fits into a very, very big wide receiving core. Uh, he's intriguing. Uh, I believe he was drafted in the third round. So I, I like the draft capital there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guys that you kind of touched on, nobody really jumps out. I mean, Tillon Wallace would have been a guy that, again, he falls to the fourth round. It's not really what you want to see, uh, but he was the second wide receiver drafted that team. Um, they drafted another wide receiver last year in the fourth round, Devin Duvernay. They drafted uh, James Crochet oh, as well. Yeah, and then they have two first-round wide receivers ahead of him in the last yes. three years. So I really, really just hate his – he's he's going to be uh, – what's his name? Is it Tyler Johnson down in uh, Tampa oh, Bay? Tampa, he's going to be yeah. He's going to be Tyler Johnson where people really, really liked him. Dude, and I love he didn't Tyler get the pedigree Johnson. And he's buried, you know, like – Guys that get buried, they just don't get the opportunity to emerge, yeah. and that's that. It's unfortunate, honestly, but um, that's that's kind of it. Uh, you you mentioned uh, Austin Schwartz, I believe you went to Cleveland in the third round. Anthony Schwartz, Anthony Schwartz, yeah, yeah. Cleveland in the third round, mm-hmm. super super like fast burner type guy. Um, that wide receiver core is probably going to have quite a shakeup at the uh, in 2022. Yeah. He's a stash for me. Pedigree, falling in rookie drafts. It's not nice. sexy. People don't want sexy guys uh, or people want the sexy player, the sexy position even. And Anthony Schwartz doesn't check either of those boxes. Uh, I would be stashing him in the fourth or fifth round of your rookie draft. I think that's a great call. He's a burner, man. 4-2 speed. When, o- when Odell's healthy, he can be fast, but we can't count on Odell. He might be out of here at the trade deadline uh, or the end of the season anyway. Landry, of course, we know what he does. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones showed up a little bit last year, but he's not that burner. Higgins as well. Um, so there's some some of those other uh, marches. Okay, we got through it here. We got another question here from our man, Josh. Uh, Shouts out to Josh. He did, he did drop in here. This is interesting. I want to talk to you about this quick, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, if you're not watching on YouTube and you're on the podcast, this question was, do your quarterback rankings change amongst themselves in single quarterback or two quarterback leagues or super flex, of course, i.e. drafting for upside or safety of a quarterback, Lawrence or Lance? So basically, if you're playing single quarterback or you're playing super flex quarterback, do your rankings of quarterbacks change depending on your league settings or do you just rank your quarterbacks however? And if it's four t- four point touchdown, six point touchdown, single, super flex, Whatever it is, do you just roll with it? Honestly, it's a good question. And, you know, much like Chris, I rarely check the scoring settings of the leagues I'm in. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I feel like Josh is taking a shot at me because he knows that I am terrible at updating my rankings and I really run off of tears. But I, I do like the question because it's very creative in terms of, of an approach. So on one hand, no. My my rankings would not change, but my strategy would. Um, I and I think we really learned this with the emergence of um, Lamar Jackson. So I would rather um, take a safe quarterback in one quarterback leagues and then take a shot at someone that can run uh, like Lamar Jackson and, and the cheapest version of that if I can. So if that's if that's Justin Fields this year, because people think that he won't start right away or whatever. If it's Trey Lance, same situation. Um, that would be my goal. I wouldn't necessarily go off of rankings. Uh, if I have Big Ben above any of them in terms of fantasy output for the season, 
uh, but I've already got quarterback locked up. I'm going to take the upside in a one quarterback league. So uh, I do, I, I won't change my rankings, but I'll change my strategy, if you will. I think that's a great call. And I, I think I completely agree with you. Um, my rankings are not going to change. I also draft in tiers um, and we can kind of discuss what that means later on this summer here, but um, I agree with you. Uh, and again, I'm getting more into super flex and two quarterback leagues, which does change things. So instead of, moving a guy up because I'm in a super flex league, I might just say, is this guy, I mean, I think the one thing you can think of is if um, you have, I don't know, I'll use Aaron Rodgers, a bad example today, uh, but let's use Justin Herbert. You could put him as like a back end QB one in single quarterback leagues. If you somehow got Justin Herbert as your second quarterback in super flex leagues, you're killing it. I mean, that's like, that's unbelievable, right? So that I think is when I would start to manipulate my mind frame, but also in Superflex, you obviously get a lot more value out of those Kirk Cousins, Derek Carrs, Tom Brady's, you know, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Carson Wentz quarterbacks as well that now have a ton of value and they're getting drafted in the fifth or sixth round because it's Superflex. So everybody else, all this other skill players, then fall down the line. So yeah. Yo, RJ, it's been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate you jumping on. Thanks so much. We're going to definitely do this again. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and giving some uh, dynasty discussion. Um, I would love to get you on another time when we have Lucas and Dwayne on. They are, again, kind of our dynasty brains on the TCK pod, but I wanted to pick your brain as well. You and I have been talking behind the scenes. You've helped me out with a couple dynasty questions already uh, this season, and I'm going to have more for you, I'm sure. So I really appreciate your time, man. Before we get out of here, once again, can you please uh, remind all the TCK potters where we can find all your information? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at DynastyFF underscore RJ, and then we do have a show handle that's at Dynasty underscore Addicts, and Brian, my co-host, runs the the show handle. So uh, Brian's really good at retweeting uh, any sort of polls that you want to get mass uh, voting on for trades, questions, things like that. Um, so definitely uh, you know, tweet Brian there, but we're, we're always open to receive questions, ideas for shows, things like that. I love what you guys do, man. Shouts out to Brian. Shouts out to Josh. Josh has been on the program plenty. We'll have to get Brian on eventually as well. Talk about his dolphins. Um, and it's always a pleasure, man. And we're going to have to get you another Jersey back there behind you and uh, see if we can fill up, fill up your wall a little bit more, man, but it's been an absolute pleasure. RJ of the commish dynasty side of things. Shouts out always to the commish crew. Of course, you can find me on Twitter as well at my name, sky, Guasco on Twitter. On Instagram, you can find us at fantasy football underscore TCK pod. We're on TikTok at TCK pod as well. Facebook group, the Candlestick Kids. And of course, if you're watching here on YouTube, please give us a subscribe, smash the thumbs up, and give us a comment on your favorite couple of dynasty players as well. If you have any other questions, you can DM me or hit me up, and I will send those on to RJ as well, and he can help you out with the dynasty leagues. Big up to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce and Jersey Jungle as well, our sponsors for today's show. We'll be back with you next week. We are crossing into the 390s. Again, just 10 episodes away from 400. Very excited about that. For RJ and the rest of the Commish Dynasty crew and the Commish Fantasy Football brand as well, big family over there, I'm your host, Sky Guasco. We'll catch you next time. We are out of here. Cheers. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.